Hello there. It's Chappie, the British butler. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's episode 79 today. 79. And I'm with you today. It's a cold, frigid Saturday morning. Snow is still lying on the ground. And um, it was a service for the Duke of Edinburgh today, Prince Philip. Um, Very dignified service for a, a colossus of the royal family. And somebody who has been sort of part of our lives, I guess, through the media since we've been alive, including my parents, including my grandmother for most of the time. So it's quite a, it's quite a auspicious day. Um, and um, it's good to see Harry and William talking. I mean, even if it was sort of put on for the media, uh, families come together have to get over their problems. And that's exactly what's happening here. So here we are again on Saturday for Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I do have the turtleneck on. <clears throat> so I have a quick question to the to you, the highly esteemed and judicious listener. So the turtleneck is that's how they call it in America. Now turtles don't really have necks. So I mean, if you have a long piece of fabric in the traditional sort of roll neck then you know it's not a turtle i mean it, turtles have short stubby necks i mean and many people say chappy you know you do look like a turtle's head i mean that may mean something completely different i don't know uh, i mean it some sort of awful euphemism maybe who knows but i don't think it's the right name i mean a roll neck suggests that you know you can roll it out and there's a bit more length to it uh, a polar neck don't understand that particularly this is not polo style particular do they wear it when it gets cold or playing polo i don't know i'm not really uh, i'm not really as fast as i like to go is normally croquet you know very aggressive sort of roquet when my foot's on the ball and i tap the opponent's ball up out into some sort of maybe babbling brook to the side of the uh, croquet field i mean that's as aggressive as i like to get with a mallet you know maybe tapping uh, tapping the uh, tapping the hoops in is probably as aggressive and as much physical exertion as i can probably handle it's lovely game croquet though now polo seems a little bit more aggressive swinging mallets horses I mean, how do the horses get out of the way? I mean, you'd have a very bruised horse. I mean, you'd have to look after that horse and give it a few extra oats at the end, I think. Because it doesn't seem like... I mean, I think the people get bruised, the players, and the horses may get bruised as well. I mean, in full flight, it's a it's a beautiful game. But, uh, but I don't know, swinging mallets... And they look a little slippery. I mean, do, do they sort of powder up the handle to... Get a little bit more grip on the mallet. Because one needs a firm grip on one's mallet. Without a doubt. I mean, I always carry a, a, some uh, baby talcum powder to powder my hands when I'm playing croquet. I mean, it's an absolute essential for me, I would say. So here we are. Nonsense uh, in full force, as always, here in Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And I mean, some of the things that we, uh, we may or may not uh, be discussing today on the podcast is we did we discuss roller coaster relationships yesterday, did we? Um, 
but I, I came up with, uh, I, I think I called myself on a text message in the week, um, basically a love stallion. So, I, don't, I mean, what am I talking about here? I mean, have you ever seen a butler? It's more like a, I'm more like a sort of a loyal cart horse, I think, than anything else, without a doubt. Um, but we may be, we may be talking about that. I mean, that was probably a slip of one's tongue, you would say. Um, also, why I didn't put the picture of me up with my vaccination, my first vaccination, Moderna, yesterday? Why I didn't do that? I mean, everybody's doing it, but why didn't I do it? We never talked about seersucker trousers in the snow, how I think the white trouser, a white press trouser may be uh, something we can sort of wear and have fabulous attire out in the, out in the winter days or the spring snow. Um, metal detecting. My, uh, my nephew, Harry, my father, loved metal detecting. Um, but I, I think a corgi's nose and the digging capacity could be the new metal detector. I mean, if I could, uh, if I could get Maggie to sniff out a ruby, or maybe an ingot, I think I'll be uh, chocks away there, don't you think? Um, also, um, as I said, corgis are my perfect dog. They are sort of a little bit like me in many ways. Uh, and also, uh, never talked about my um, my sister's wedding and the whole uh, wedding suit measurement uh, fiasco. Um, also, problem of me never doing my flies up. Um, I saw a gentleman in white Crocs, so my daughter now thinks it's actually a trend that white Crocs are indeed allowed and should be allowed. I got a rather uh, interesting um, social dilemma uh, advertisement, and it made me feel a little bit hurt. It made me feel like an old man. Uh, but we'll be uh, we'll be looking at uh, at that as well. We have more uh, Trump or trombone. Uh, we uh, also um, have a little bit of uh, medieval Tinder, the swiping game that we like to call historical Tinder, where we take you know somebody pretty uh, interesting in history. Today it's Charlie Chaplin. He was a he was an interesting fellow, to say the least. Um, and I guess it's the quiet ones you have to look out for. That's the rhyme, the rhyme and reason of that uh, of that tale. So here we are, Saturday. I hope you're having a lovely weekend. Looks beautifully spring-like in England today, with uh, with the uh, with the funeral going on. We're here. I still need the fingerless gloves, so I can. Uh, I'm here, huddled over a, a candle. Not even a solitary lump of coal keeping me warm for you the listener but uh, anyway i hope you're having a warm and lovely day and uh, enjoy the next hour of sh- shenanigans frolics merriment and mirth so don't sex up scenes using body doubles say actors tv shows and films must not use digital body doubles to make sex scenes more explicit than actors agree new industry guidelines have said uh, actors and actresses are encouraged to negotiate a nudity rider or contract, also stimulated or simulated even sex riders setting out in writing what they're willing to do. These contracts should stipulate specific acts and levels of nudity in which they consent, such as nudity above the waist only or closed mouth kissing 
Uh, I mean, you can practice on your hand. I mean, that's always good. Uh, performers, uh, I mean, kissing with your hand. Uh, performers should also make clear what parts of their body they're unwilling to show and they don't want to be touched. Um, while some nudity riders are more common uh, in the entertainment industry, um, if a body double is used, the actor can negotiate to have approval of the body double chosen. The nudity stimulated sexual content and agreed choreography of the intimate scenes portrayed through doubling shall be limited to what was originally agreed by the actor. This applies to digital body or body doubling. Anywhere, the uh, guidelines make clear that CGI technology should not be used to sex up scenes without the explicit agreement of the actors involved. I mean, I mean, I think this is quite common. I, I think if I was used, uh, going to use a, a body double, maybe a CGI body double, I might use uh, David Hasselhoff circa 1993. Him breathing in, maybe with that uh, tan-covered corset holding his belly in. But I mean, I do need something similar. Then he had, you know, he had like a little bit of mousse in his hair, teased out the curls of his hair, and probably teased out the curls of the hair on his chest as well. Um, I mean, that that's one 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 item. Or, or maybe, uh, if I was to use a body double, maybe Barbar the Elephant. A CGI version of Barbar the Elephant could be my body double. Trunk and all. I mean, I mean long nose and all. You know, everything, of course. Um, but, uh, but there we go. Who, uh, just think about who would you use as your CGI body double, you know? As I'm, as I'm going to talk about later with the corgis, I mean, Maggie's body's sort of rotund long with short legs i mean she could be my dog cgi corgi body double remember if, if, if i ever needed a cgi version of a dog to portray me in some maybe animated movie something to, something to really consider the moral of the tale is we don't have to take our clothes off so thinking of sort of accoutrements that maybe pets have animals have and i was thinking of one now i'm a bit of a messy eater a little bit messy, you know. Um, and I, I thinking maybe I could start, instead of using knives and forks and cutlery, I could start utilizing a, uh, a horse nose bag into my uh, daily eating habits, you know. Uh, because a napkin, you know, tucked in, I mean, nobody likes a tucked in napkin, but I do do it. You want to spill all sorts of sauce and dirt and umska all over yourself if you... Uh, if you uh, don't have the napkin tucked in correctly. I mean, what do you do if you're wearing a turtleneck, you know? The napkin has to be tucked in that much deeper. But the thing is though, if you notice the horse nose bag with the pieces that go over the ears, they don't make much of a mess, you know? And uh, you could make it out of some sort of hessian, I suppose, as, as, as they do. So, you know, a little bit more, the horse's teeth are quite sharp, probably some humans are. And on a good meal, I'm quite uh, vociferous when it comes to uh, chomping down all the food. So, I mean, I could get the, uh, the, the horse or adapted chappy nose bag and put it over the stout uh, with the ear pieces on. And, uh, you know, I could enjoy a risotto, maybe a curry. I mean, you don't want anything too chunky in there. I mean, you might you don't want to choke on the, in the, on the nose bag and then suffocate yourself. That would be awful. But uh, but I think I, I think the nose bag could be the way forward for the messy eater. And you keep your sh white pristine shirts delightful, 
I mean, no, you won't need any OxyClean or anything like that. But they're going to be brilliant white. Because you've got the nose back on. You're chomping away. You know, you're, you're really ravishing the food that you've got. Okay. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I mean, you could take this one step further. One step further. And, uh, and take it into the boudoir with you. You know, cut out the end. I mean, it's all about maintaining cleanness and not making a mess everywhere. Um, and I, I think it could be absolutely fabulous, you know. I, I think that uh, some of these uh, slightly, you know, high-end, uh, sort of slightly, you know, slightly naughty stores could uh, could do with the uh, with the human uh, nose bag with the piece cut out and. Um, you know, I think everything's kept very, very clean and pristine in that way. An oxygen-starved caveman created high art. Perhaps future historians will call it the Stone Age prehistoric cave painters were so starved of oxygen and deep underground that they may have been euphoric and hallucinating when it got to work, archaeologists claim. A study speculates that not unlike the hippies of the 1960s, the artists made a deliberate effort to harness the mind-altering effects of hypoxia so they could connect with the cosmos. Israeli researchers observed that many uh, Paleolithic cave paintings in Europe are hundreds of meters from cave entrances, either in chambers accessed via narrow passages or in the passages themselves. These spaces are not used for daily domestic activities, raising questions about why early artists ventured into such claustrophobic corners to get creative. It's like the bedsit I had at university basically. I couldn't breathe in there, but there was probably a lot of cigar smoke and some cigarette smoke coming out of there at the time. In a paper in Time and Mind, the Journal of Archaeology, Consciousness and Culture, the researchers argue that entering these deep, dark areas was a conscious choice motivated by the understanding of a transformative nature of an underground oxygen-depleted space. Specifically, the team believed that the oxygen deprivation induced a state very similar to when you're taking drugs. The paintings engraved images created across a wide area of 40,000 to 14,000 uh, years ago depict animals such as mammoths, bison, ibex. While they may have been celebrated for their artistic merits, their origin and purpose remain contested. The study whether the physiological effects of oxygen deprivation may have played a role, the researchers ran a series of computer simulations based on the sites of artworks deep within the cave systems in France and Spain. These include uh, Ronathac, uh, Dordogne, where paintings and engravings are about seven, 730 meters from the entrance, and the Escastillo in uh, Cantabria, where most depictions were within a meter or a narrow two meter passages, about 200 meters of the entrance. The models indicate that oxygen would have fallen rapidly to levels including inducing hypoxia, a shortfall of human uh, oxygen in the body tissues. When humans carried burning torches or lamps into the spaces. In many of these scenarios studied, oxygen concentration in the atmosphere normally was 21% would fall below 18%, the threshold for hypoxia within 15 minutes. In these cases of low ceilings, they would fall below 11%, leading to severe hypoxia similar to that associated with acute mountain sickness. The uh, researchers note that hypoxia has been shown to increase levels of dopamine resulting in hallucinations, feeling of euphoria, near-death experiences, out-of-the-body sensations of floating or flying. 
according to the scientists. I mean, I think if I was in the same situation, I mean, it, might, it may make my, uh, my potato prints that I like to do on an occasion, you know, with Mr. Potato Head, I mean, it could, it could give people a sort of euphoric, artistic, creative love of my work. I mean, even my potato prints may he reach a higher state of consciousness in that sort of environment in a cave. So I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a cave and I'm going to start uh, maybe with some potato prints, some hand prints, footprints, uh, maybe some of my uh, infamous nose prints as well. And then, uh, I mean, it could be like Van Gogh or Monet. And they say this was a butler who went into the cave with his potatoes and did some high-end art without the aid of air. So here we have our historical Tinder where we take a uh, figure from history. Uh, could be a king, queen, despot, tyrant. But in this case, it's a film star, Charlie Chaplin. For all intents and purposes, is probably the most famous actor of all time. If you're staring at the screen right now, wondering who it is, consider that you might be an alien from another galaxy who accidentally ended up browsing the internet for some reason and you're like six years old. Aside from creating some of the most acclaimed motion pictures ever, Chaplin was a bit of a womanizer. We mean he was a massive pervert who uh, liked to get women nude and then throw pies at them. Uh, well, in the 1920s, was it really that weird? Uh, he would only communicate with the actress he was auditioning via caption cards, so he wouldn't even talk. And you would mind to test her ability to perform in silent movies. The cards would be a little bit suggestive, and then uh, he would ask for them to remove all of their attire, and uh, he would uh, make them stand naked and throw custard pies at them. Um, why? I mean, we don't really have any idea why he did this, um, uh, if it was some sort of weird fetish, but it was very, very odd and a considerable waste of custard. And I mean, if you're using the powdered custard, like the bird's eye custard, it, it leaves a sort of powdery residue. And you don't want that. I mean, you would have to be hours in the shower, you know, washing off all of that powder and creamy custard. Okay, so yesterday, both my father and I were vaccinated. I mean, not together. I mean, it's not like a uh, we don't you know have a family physician or anything like that, and we're and we're both but we're both vaccinated at the uh, at the same time with uh, you know maybe a, maybe some sort of wild bull with a vaccination needle on both horn running at us. No, none of that, none of that went on yesterday. But in different countries, we're vaccinated yesterday. Um, but also, uh, my my father had his uh, his haircut for the first time in uh, I think probably three months, maybe. So he almost had that sort of grey man bun going on. You know, it could have been tied at the back into that sort of greasy grey man bun, not the sort of yellowy tinge that you get with some older men who don't wash their hair very often. I mean, he's a very clean chap, my father proud to say that um but uh, but it was it could have gone into the man bun i mean he could have become or he could have had the headman he could have done the italian football thing like a tutti you know or calvinarly and uh put uh, put a you know headband on to keep the hair back out of the eyes brush back not over the eyes so so he had like a maybe i mean it, look, it honestly looked like uh 
after Georgia was shorn the Border Collie last year. I mean, uh, and I always did suggest we should do mobile human grooming as well. Perfectly socially distanced, behind perspex. I think it would be, uh, I think that'd be a very good way of um, keeping socially distant during pandemics. You know, human dog grooming, uh, mobile units, you know. Um, and you could scrub the person down if they don't like to have a shower, get the old uh, long brush out. You know, you can uh, scrub under the undercarriage and um, shave all the hair, back hair, nasal hair, all of it could be done in one. But anyway, a lot of the hair was trimmed and he looks like a new man. I mean, he, he sort of looks like, you know, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of Richard Gear going on. Um, and also, if you know Jimmy Dean sausages, a little bit of Jimmy Dean going on. You know, a younger Jimmy Dean, um, but uh, but you know he's, he's he's certainly the silver fox, one would say. So my mother sent a picture of him after all the hair was shorn, looking rather resplendent. And um, but I, I said, Mum, I hope you didn't post this on uh, Instagram or uh, or WhatsApp or anything like that because he's got his trousers undone. Oh no, no, oh, Dad. Oh, the dad always says his trousers undone. I mean, you know, why is his trousers undone in the picture? You can't be plastering that over social media. I mean, he looks he looks great, but uh, you know, he's not auditioning for Last Tango in Paris or anything. I mean, <laughs> well, I hope not. I hope he isn't. But um, but but yeah. So so hopefully, there's no pictures of the inf- around the internet with. Um, uh, with uh, with him with his trousers unbuttoned, you know, I think men of a certain age do like an a- a- elasticated waist, and that could be part of the issue. I mean, maybe that's the thing. He likes the elasticated wa- waist a bit more, freedom to um, do what he needs to do. You know, check the boys are in the barracks uh, and all of the rest of it. But I do think it runs in the family. I think that, uh, I mean, I don't walk around with my trousers undone. Well, not, I don't think I do anyway. No, I don't sleepwalk naked anymore. I used to do that. But uh, I have a problem with my flies always being undone. And it's something that I've that has only hit in the last maybe year. And I don't know if it's a pandemic because we're a little bit more lax about uh, everything. I mean, I'm not a sweatpant sort of chap. I mean, I find it abhorrent that my daughter wears grey sweatpants all the time. And let alone the Crocs. I mean, but uh, I, I seem to have a problem with my flies being undone. And I'm wondering if there's a way of like, um, you know, that you have to hear like an alarm go off, almost like a magnetic thing. So when the zipper, the zip part reaches the top, an alarm goes off and you know you're safe to go out. I mean, I think this is quite important because, I mean, it's, it could be terribly embarrassing. And I mean, I do sometimes don't wear any undercrackers and that would be awful so you know you have like an alarm bell go off and then you know you're good to go i mean it could be uh i mean you don't want to leave you don't want to leave the house sort of armed and extremely dangerous if you know what i mean okay so thank you for 20 grand or more um for this uh, this music in the background here Prince Philip's spirit searching for a new home, say Pacific villagers who venerated him. Hundreds of tribespeople in the Pacific island of uh, Vananatu uh, gathered in ceremonies to mourn the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. 
revered as a godlike uh, spiritual figure in the archipelago. For half a century, two villages on Tanner Island revered the Duke as one of their own, believing that he fulfilled a prophecy that an islander would leave in his spiritual form to find a powerful wife overseas. The village chiefs offered a message of comfort to the Queen, saying that his soul would live on. A formal mourning period began as the first ceremonies to remember Prince Philip got underway. Yakal village chief Albi said it's unclear how Philip's death would affect the religious movement. Many outsiders assume that Prince Charles or Prince William or Harry would succeed Philip in the village's devotions, but Albi said nothing was certain. The spirit of Prince Philip has left his body, but it lives on. It's too soon to say where it will reside. Other elders argued that Charles' succession was guaranteed in 2018 when he was given the chiefly title Mal Meromanu during a visit of Port Vila in uh, Vananatu's capital. The connection between the people, island of Tano and the English people is very strong, says uh, Chief Yapa of the Ukanula village in Tana. We're sending condolences and messages to the royal family and the people of England. Villagers will come together to conduct rites for the Duke periodic periodically over the coming weeks. Philip is, seen, um, Philip is seen as a recycled descendant of a very powerful spirit or god that lives on one of the mountains. He said he would more likely display Prince Philip memorabilia, hold a procession and conduct a ritualistic dance. Men would consume a ceremonial drink widely used around the Pacific made of roots of the kava plant which brings muscle relaxation and feelings of well-being. The significant gathering will be held as a last act of mourning. There will be a great deal of wealth on display, which would mean yams and kava plants, and also pigs, their primary source of protein, and he would expect um, you know, pig feast uh, for the event. For years, the Prince Philip movement flourished in the village of Yakal and Yonawan. Uh, followers are believed to have followed several thousands at the height of the movement, but di diminished in recent years. Anthropologists believe that Philip became linked to the legend in the 1960s when Vananatu was an Anglo-French colony known as the New Hebrides. The village's special interest to Philip include daily prayers for his blessing of their banana and yam crops. The Duke maintained a distant 50-year-old relationship with the group. In 2007, several tribesmen were flown to the UK for the Channel 4 reality series, Meet the Natives. Five tribal leaders met the Duke off-camera at Windsor Castle presenting gifts and asked him if he'd return to Tanner. Uh, according to the tribesmen, he responded uh, somewhat typically, when it turns warm, uh, I will send the message in return. So yet again, more Trump or trombone. And the first on the Oki today is a uh, woman demands Prince Harry is arrested after claiming that he proposed to marry her. A lawyer has called for Prince Harry to be arrested after breaking his promise to marry her. The lawyer, uh, Parwinda Kerr, filed a petition with the Punjab and Hawana court claiming the Duke of Sussex contacted her via social media after long correspondence via email. Ms. Kerr has also demanded that the authorities in India issue an international arrest warrant so that the police in the United Kingdom could apprehend Harry and he could be forced to carry out his promise of marriage without further delay. I mean, the curse of the red-headed pharaoh man-child strikes again. I hope his queen, Nefertiti, doesn't find out. She may have to do another interview. In Boston Dynamics, robot dog, uh, Peabot, talked a wee beer on command into a cup. The cutting-edge device has been used by military exercises and robot dogs already patrol the perimeter of the U.S. Air Force Base. But it's $55,000 a robot. 
YouTube engineering fanatic has re-engineered the Boston Dynamics robot dog Spot to urinate beer on command. The cutting-edge robotics company began offering their four-legged robot for sale in September 2019. They've used it mainly for research possibilities using a mechanical replacement for the guard dogs to carry weaponry and other equipment for infantry troops. But the YouTuber Michael Rees got his hand on the robot dog and had something else in mind. He has, I wanted to make it pee beer into a cup. Uh, Michael has added a few lines of code to his programming and a few uh, feet of tubing to its body. Now his robot can spray uh, and spot an empty cup on the floor, straddle it and fill it with room temperature IPA. I mean, I already have a rat terrier that can do that on command. The beer truly would be weak as piss, literally hair of the dog. Man almost marries wrong woman after Google Maps sends him to a different address. A bloke who was placed with a little bit too much faith in Google Maps nearly ended up marrying the wrong woman. The bizarre mix-up unfolded in a small town in Java, Indonesia. The hapless groom and his wedding party were aiming for Lasari Hamlet of the Pakis district in central Java. However, due to unfortunate mix-ups, they ended up but nearby Jengal Hamlet. By an extraordinary coincidence, there was a wedding taking place there too. Local woman Maria Alpha was due to get spliced to Burnham Sikki from the uh, Reningham village, Kendall Regency, Central Java. But Burnham was running late. The bride told reporters his wedding party had stopped en route to look for the toilet. In the meantime, the new groom showed up. Hmm, you could say it was almost a lucky escape. As is always said, he should have turned left at Albuquerque. And surgeons and firefighters save man's testicles after metal nut gets stuck in his manhood. Surgeons posed uh, with uh, emergency rescuers after both took part in a delicate surgical procedure to successfully remove a metal nut from a patient's manhood. The Ukrainian team earlier recorded a picture inside the operating theatre and the man was saved from castration. Uh, I mean, <laughs> doctors say he could not cope with such an extraordinary problem on his own. Rescuing this part of the body requires special equipment uh, caution, jewelry-like precision. Um, along with the doctors, we managed to remove the screw nut from the man's penis, and he was not hurt. I mean, you certainly don't want to put any lime near that coconut. So, I think we've gone wrong over the years with all these bright-coloured ski jackets, ski pants, ski clothing, ski trousers. I think we should go and uh, maybe introduce a seersucker suit into a snowy season. Now you may need some long johns underneath, but I mean, I think the uh, the uh, the pristine white of the seersucker gives it that sort of elegance in the beautiful snow-like uh, vistas that you see around. I mean, I think it could add a little bit of elegance to uh, to the ski season, walking around. It could also uh, give you a little bit of camouflage from uh, any neighbors you don't want to talk to. Um, and, uh, and maybe any snow foxes or polar bears or anything like that. But I mean, we have to sort of dress to impress here. And I don't need sort of puffy Michelin man style jackets really don't make you look that good. But a nice sort of nice, neatly uh, shorn and tucked and uh, lean and svelte seersucker suit and jacket uh, would be an absolute wonder, I think. And uh, add a little bit of je ne sais quoi. Uh, and uh, a little bit more, you'd be more, more a fashionista walking around the neighborhood in a, in a, in a padded, fur-lined seersucker.
Okay, so I mean, I, everybody has been uh, putting pictures of uh, you know of their vaccination cards and everything else all over Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or everyone. You know, the little card saying they've been vaccinated. I mean, it's a wondrous thing. Don't get me wrong, scientifically wondrous thing. But I don't want to follow the you know didn't want to follow the line of everybody else posting that picture. I mean, it's, it's, it's been done before, as I said yesterday. So, I uh, I did take the picture, and uh, and then I saw the picture, and I thought, well, I could crop this, but my my cuticles looked awful. I mean, it looked I looked like I had sort of Captain Caveman's hands, you know, bits of skin, flaps flying up. I mean, I think I have possibly the uh, the ugliest cuticles in the world. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with my cuticles. I mean, I need to get a tweezer and pluck these babies. But they, I mean, it lo- honestly looked like uh, it looked like the hands of somebody being on a construction site without gloves for maybe 30 years. I mean, not dirt under the nails or anything like that. I mean, I pristine clean nails, but the cuticles were sticking up. I mean, they looked like shards of glass poking up or uh, or maybe an iceberg, you know, skinny iceberg. Uh, popping out of my hands i mean it wasn't a very attractive look so i mean that is the reason that uh i just dis- i decided uh not to uh you know not to put my hands on instagram holding up my vaccination card because they were pretty ugly i mean it would give people if they saw my hands it would give them the fear so social dilemma this is a regular feature on the podcast and uh, yeah, once again, I've been uh, I've been targeted by those little AI, artificial intelligent elves, who are looking out, you know, and looking at searches. And I think sometimes they just have a little bit of a snarky, mischievous type of attitude. So we've got an ad. One ad. It's only one time it's happened. One time, I promise you. I saw the ad, and it um, is an erectile dysfunction ad. Now, I know I'm 44 and all, um, but they were trying to sell me lemon erectile dysfunction pills. Now, I don't know if they're trying to give you the taste sensation of, you know, some sort of like lemon drizzle cake as you pop the pill in your mouth. So you've got a lovely taste of sweet lemon, sugary goodness um, to take your mind off everything else. Um, But who knows? I mean, on the other hand, it could be like a bitter herb or bitter lemon taste. And I imagine that could be an absolute problem. I mean, it could, in all truth, the bitter tart taste of a lemon drop could shoot into the back of your head I mean that top head Mm -hmm. and take your mind off all other issues in your life and probably cure your issue it could it could cure a rather flaccid crown jewel or crown you know and uh and restore it to its former glory um i mean just the taste of it it makes you forget all of your worries and cares. 
and you wouldn't worry about a thing. So that's almost the podcast. And um, thank you for listening uh, to the little duo here, Friday and Saturday's podcast, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, 78 and 79. Uh, you can hear it on all of your favorite platforms out there, you know, including Apple Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Breaker. I mean, it's, it's all across. The whole, you know, you can you can probably, if you're in your cave doing your potato prints and painting right now, and it's absolutely quiet, you just hear like water droplets dropping into the uh, cavernous cave. You can probably just hear the dulcet tones of Chappie and keep calm and cauliflower cheese in that cave. That's how, that's how it's distributed across all markets, all platforms. And then we do have a little Spotify version, which has music. It has music. I mean, we have like such wonders as Ben Foles, Aztec Camera, America, XTC, Mariah Carey and Snoop Dogg, Prefab Sprout, Harry Nilsson. I mean, Ian Brown, Incognito. I mean, it's scattered across. So if you want to hear some music, if you want to hear... I mean, it's almost like painting by numbers. So you have the, the, the format. The audio, the audio is, the, uh, is the etchings that you have to trace around. And the music gives it the color. And that's what it is on Spotify. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. And uh, we're almost, almost out of time for today. Um, but uh, we will finish with a poem. The poem is The Patriarch's Analogy. For Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. The weather in the window this morning is snow, unseasonal singular flakes, a slow winter's final shiver on such an occasion. To presume to utilize one man is to pipe up for a whole generation, crew whose survival was always the stuff of minor miracle, who came ashore in orange crate coracles, fought ingenious wars, finagled triumphs at sea with flaming decoy boats, and side-ship torpedoes. Husbands to duty, they enrolled their plans across billiard tables and vehicle bonnets, regrouped at breakfast what their secrets were. Was everyone's guess and nobody's business. Great-grandfathers from birth in their time became both in a core and outer case, in a family heirloom of nesting dolls. Like evidence of early man, their boot prints stand in the hardened earth of rosebeds and borders. They were signs of zodiac out of sync with solar year, but also turn their minds to the day's big science and heavy questions. To study their hands at rest was to picture maps, showing huckered valleys and indigo streams, schemes of old campaigns and reconnaissance missions, laughter the great avuncular magicians. They kept their best tricks for the grand finale, disapproving immortality and disappearing entirely. The major oaks in the woods start turning up and the skies to come will deliver their tributes. But for now, a cold April's closing moments parachute slowly home. So by mid-afternoon, snow in its recast as seed heads and thistle down. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. It's chappy out. Cheerio for now. And it sort of makes me think of all this talk of boats and yachts. A little bit of yacht rock.